Music has a special way of touching our hearts in ways many things cannot. And if you're tuning into this podcast, you probably think so too. On each episode of Classical Post, we uncover a creative mind behind music we find particularly exceptional. Coming to you from New York, Classical Post is created and produced by Gold Sound Media, a marketing and PR agency for the performing arts industry. I'm your host, Jonathan Eifert, creative director at Gold Sound Media, and I hope you find something inspiring in this episode. When most people think of the pipe organ, they imagine its massive, majestic sound filling a large church during a wedding, funeral, or other Christian ceremonies. But as I learned in my recent conversation with the Austrian concert organist Lucas Hasler, we can trace the instrument's roots to ancient Egypt, thousands of years before the birth of Christ. And despite their prevalence in the church, organs have also played an important role in secular life. In the 19th century, for example, people in small villages or those who couldn't afford concert tickets could only hear new music when it was transcribed and performed by a local organist. And for Hasler, bringing the organ back to the mainstream and helping people from all walks of life discover its beauty and expressive range has become a central component of his career. Hasler's ability to showcase the organ's remarkable versatility has made him a star on the rise. In addition to building a community of more than 80,000 fans on social media, he's performed in the opening ceremony of the Salzburg Festival, was the first touring classical musician to perform in Ukraine after the start of the Russian invasion, and his transcriptions of everything from Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata to the Super Mario Brothers theme have thrilled audiences across Europe and the U.S. In this episode, Hasler and I talk more about the organ's evolution over time and his latest digital release, an astounding reading of Franz Liszt's virtuosic fantasy and fugue on Bach. Plus, he shares what made him recently pack up his life in Austria and head to sunny Southern California, how architecture and fashion inspire his creativity, and the importance of hearing protection when the instrument you play is very, very loud. I'm Lucas Hasler. Since I'm European, I really love the old historic cities and I love architectural, you know, buildings and, and, and all what is, you know, known as architect or architecture in, in common. So my most favorite architect, I would say, is Antonio Calatrava. He's uh, quite known. I think he's Spanish, uh, contemporary, and he's known for some of very famous bridges and um, yeah, also for um, what I really love, uh, the railway station in Lyon in France. And therefore, I really love to go to these places and be inspired by this great architects. Um, if you break up the kind of um, arts sector um, into the different categories, um, I'm curious which influences music making for you the most. So art, like painting, sculpture, mixed media, that sort of thing. I think everything resonates all together. Um, what I really think is very important is fashion, of course, especially for me as an artist, you know, on stage. I mean, that fashion is always something which you can use in order to, you know, um, talk to people, also to set a message. So I think um, fashion is also something which I'm really inspired of, um, especially Karl Lagerfeld, for example. I mean, he was such a great artist in all different ways, uh, not only 
as a fashion designer, but also I'd say um, even as an architect. So I think all these different kinds come together. But for me, what I really love to do the most is just walking through sometimes historical cities, sometimes also modern cities like here in L.A., and, and just, you know, see these wonderful architectures um, like these skyscrapers or even newer buildings. Mm, I love this very much. Describe a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life. Since I moved to LA a couple of weeks ago, I would say um, I love to go to the beaches here. I mean, this really helps me a lot. I mean, the fresh air, of course, I love to just run on the beaches and, and you know, jogging is something which helps me a lot. And um, also to calm down, also to get clear uh, thoughts of what I'm going to do, also to get more access to creativity, I think. And um, so the ocean in general inspires me a lot, um, which I don't usually have in Austria. <laughs> so this is really a huge advantage of, of, of living now in Southern California. Mm, but on the other side, I'm also um, a lover of snow. Um, so therefore, I love Austria and love to go skiing there as well. Um, so I think both sides. But at the moment, I'm, I'm really freaking out whenever I can see and walk to the ocean and, and be there uh, because I think this just helps me um, to calm down, especially, and to move on to new projects. What inspired you to move to L.A. in the first place since you are coming from Austria? Well, LA was always a place for like a desire, I would say, a place for me to go. Um, I was here and I played here my first concert in the United States. That was back in 2016, I think. And so I, I met some friends, of course. Um, my social life here is quite good. And I always wanted to move to the States. Um, first of all, probably to study or, or even to work here. And now I got this wonderful opportunity to, to yeah, move to this place. And so I thought, well, I have to grab this occasion now and this possibility and come here to Southern California. And it's just been amazing. I mean, since some weeks here, uh, the wonderful weather, of course, but also I like this um, other culture, you know, this other culture approach, I would say. Um, between Americans and, and Europeans in general. And I really like, um, yeah, this way Americans do things. Yeah, that, that's a, an understatement, but I, I know exactly what you're, you're saying. Um, in terms of energy, what keeps you going to keep creating, especially um, to keep creating music? Well, it's always been a very challenging thing since I'm traveling a lot. So it, it's always a problematic thing i would also say to get enough sleep this is i would say the first thing which is really important and um, sleeping 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 um which really helps a lot and secondly i think it's also um about having a good structure in your life not only in your social life but also being organized and um this means also organizing your 
like free time, your time of vacation, for example. So also not only the working process, but also what you can do in your more or less private life. And I think I'm quite well in organizing my life. And therefore, I think so far, uh, it really helped me to survive quite often when I'm touring. Um, since days getting very, very long, um, you know, long all the flights and all that stuff. So therefore, I think a structure in your life really helps you a lot. What is one specific product you highly recommend? It's something very unusual. I would say an adapted hearing protection. Since for me as an organist, it's really important. The organ is a very loud instrument and you have to protect your ears, especially as musicians, but in general. And I think to create more awareness of your hearing and also, you know, which causes sometimes um, hearing loss um, is really important in order to prevent this, of course. So I'm, I was quite lazy in order to, you know, to wear my adapted hearing protection. Um, but since some months, I, I got this new awareness once again. And um, therefore, I would say this is at the moment really my highly recommended product. That's a good one. I haven't heard that as a product uh, before from anyone else on the podcast. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. What restaurant or bar do you love to eat at when you're in New York City? And then obviously, what do you order at that place? I lived in New York City. I would say I stayed there. Probably I lived there for almost four months since I was an intern or I did an internship um, at the Austrian American Council and Austrian American Forum. And um, therefore, it was located on Fifth Avenue. And I love this genre. 35th Avenue um, rooftop bar. I loved it. I think it's on 27th Street, the corner. And it was always um, a pleasure meeting friends there, first of all. Of course, I mean, the gorgeous view. I mean, you're right in front of the Empire State Building. And of course, we ordered, I don't know, I think the whole menu of their cocktails there. It was always such a fun Amazing. And, and the name of it again, you said 235 rooftop or something? No, 235th rooftop bar. Oh, 235th roof, rooftop bar. Okay. I have yes. to look that up. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know that one. It's a fun but place. It sounds like a great location. It is. It is. And, and the view is gorgeous. I mean, that's Manhattan. Yeah, I know. The, the views are amazing, um, especially from most rooftops. Uh, it's a follow up to the New York thing. Um, Obviously, you can attend concerts and, and eat out in New York, but um, is there something outside of that that, that you find really compelling um, when you're in the city? What I really loved about the city were all these boats and boat tours, which is really unique, I would say, to New York. And so all these party boats as well. I mean, I was a bit younger back then. But never mind. It was, it was a great experience. And I would also say... Mm, that you shouldn't 
well, you should, of course, go to the major, you know, houses like um, the Metropolitan Opera and so on. But also, you know, enjoy all the gigs. Um, I mean, of Juliet's call, for example. I met so many people up there um, and they were just amazing, not only amazing musicians, but also amazing people. You can get in touch with them so easily. And, and it's just been a wonderful, yeah, four months stay there. Um, so I, I met up so many people there and it's also cool to just not only walk, you know, the tourist paths, but also see what's probably behind some other, um, narrow or, or small streets and, and go there and eat locally, of course. Um, and so therefore I would say New York is really a place to go, especially in the South of Manhattan, I'd say. Oh, you like downtown. You don't like uptown so much. It's more of a downtown that that's your preference <laughs> yeah well it it always depends i mean i worked up there like um next to cartier fifth avenue you know saint paul uh, saint patrick's cathedral um so this is also a very very lovely area of course central park um but yeah probably more i'm, I'm more in the south yeah uh, you mentioned St. Patrick's Cathedral. Did you do um, any kind of playing uh, concerts there or working with the um, the music team or anything like that? I did play there, but I didn't play a concert there. I did play a concert at St. Thomas Fifth Avenue. I mean, everyone knows it because it's right next to the Apple Store, but it's, yeah. it's a wonderful location there, wonderful music, wonderful instruments. And um, yeah, that was back in 2017 when I played there. Time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, definitely. <laughs> Let's pause for a second. Are you an artist or work at an arts organization? I founded Gold Sound Media to help you expand your audience through social media. My team and I work closely with clients around the United States, directly shaping their messaging through customized strategic content. One of our biggest success stories is our work for the Clyburn, where we drove 25 million viewers making it one of the most watched classical music events of all time. Get in touch to speak with me directly about how Gold Sound Media can help you. Just head to goldsoundmedia.com. Now, back to the show. So tell us about um, your new album slash EP that you're um, releasing um, and, and have been, I think, um, for the past uh, few weeks here now. Um, tell us why you created this, what you want listeners to take away. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear. Exactly. Well, I recorded the Fantasy and Fugue on BACH um, of Franz Liszt which is a major work of Franz Liszt for the organ. It was really written for this instrument. And the main thing is uh, quite often here um, in English speaking countries, it's, it's, it's a bit confusing because B-A-C-H, I mean, an H is of course, like is in German, a B note. So therefore it probably makes more sense. So it's the signature of Johann Sebastian Bach. And this piece is, is all about Bach, of course, all about Liszt, of course. And I created it in the, I would say, new way. Um, I recorded it back in Austria and released it now um, a couple of weeks ago on Spotify. And I do know that nowadays, of course, the shorter, the better, of course. 
Um, this piece lasts for almost 15 minutes. So it's a quite long piece. But especially in the classic world, I'd say um, it's so wonderful to have these different sound colors in one piece. And it goes really from a huge forte where you can listen to the whole instrument back to a very, very slight and soft piano. Mm, everything is in there. So yeah, I was just uh, curious to, well, of course, publish it finally. You mentioned that you were doing something new with it. Can you describe what exactly um, your your kind of new approach um, was or, or what your new interpretation was of it? First of all, I recorded it on a new organ, which was really installed a couple of, of, of months ago. And secondly, I tried to figure out new sound colors, new um, registers or stops, as it's called. So different um, colors um, of an organ. And um, this was my new approach. I, I just wanted to create a, another um, sound. So not, probably not the common sound when you listen to Liszt, for example, on the organ, but something differently. So probably sometimes softer and sometimes even louder and, and more majestic, probably. Is this in terms of a, a series of EPs or, or recorded works that you're releasing? Um, or is it just this one and done? Do you have anything else in the pipeline coming up? I'm currently recording some of my new transcriptions. I mean, this is something which is coming up in the organ world, um, especially nowadays, um, writing transcriptions, of course. And I'm doing some transcriptions of Mozart um, works, also some of Rachmaninoff, for example, which... Of course, as a Russian composer, um, Russian pianist composer, uh, piano composer, um, is something which was not so accessible for the organ. But I just wanted to create new program, new music for this instrument. And therefore, it's always good to look into the past and see what they've done and try to create something new out of it or just have, um, yeah, to find a different approach, I would say. To, to this kind of music. And it's it's such a fun thing to transcribe old music and make something new out of it. So these are your transcriptions. It's not like uh, you were taking someone else's transcriptions. Exactly. transcriptions. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I, I try to, well, create, first of all. It's, of course, a technical thing um, because you have to transcribe all these notes, which are sometimes written for the piano or even for orchestra different instruments and put it on the organ and try to make it sound um, as close as possible to the original instrument. So you're taking these, um, you know, originally written works for other instruments uh, or piano. Is it piano or are there even other instruments that you're transcribing than creating the organ transcription? I'm I'm transcribing for the organ, but, you know, like piano music for the organ, also orchestral music for the organ, harp music for the organ. Okay, so you are using, got yes. it. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that. So um, do you find that um, there's just a lot of works out there that can have a whole new life and, a, and reach a whole new audience when you transcribe? Of course, yes, definitely. I mean, the biggest problem of the organ is um, that everyone thinks the organ is just in churches, which of course is one of, is, is a truth. On the other side, um, every time you walk into concert halls, for example, or you're listening to film music, um, the organ has major part in it. And therefore, I really want to create more awareness of this instrument. And sometimes it really helps to 
transcribing very famous songs or, or scores for the organ to the organ and, and play it there. Because many people, for example, I, I transcribed the Moonlight Sonata, the very famous one uh, written by Beethoven. And um, everyone was like, wow, it sounds like an orchestra on the organ. And I'm like, yes, of course. I mean, you really have to be creative, first of all. And second of all, I think um, just do it. Just try to put new music on this instrument, on this old instrument, and, and give it a go. And people love it and appreciate it very much. I'm curious to hear what you are hoping to do with this career that you have as being an or a concert organist, because um, obviously there's been uh, numerous people in the past um, who have um, gone on and done things like uh, Cameron Carpenter, for example, um, who have taken uh, like a whole uh, kind of a, a unique approach to broadening the the reach of um, the organ to to people um, and definitely placing it way outside of the, the quote unquote church, you know, which is what was traditionally um, the organ was known for. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, on you know, where you see yourself going um, with this career. I think my personal point here is to bring the organ more into the mainstream, I would say, so that the organ is not only, you know, a church instrument or, or a boring instrument in general. No, it's something um, which is almost in every single village, first of all, because, of course, it's in churches. It can be found there. And then, of course, one of the biggest challenges for this instrument is it's such a big machine. And, and people do love technique and, and all these technical skills. And so therefore, I always try, when I'm playing organ concerts, especially in churches, I always try to broadcast it so that people can see what I'm also technically doing. So with my feet, with my hands, with the different changes of, of manuals, of keyboards, of course. So I think there's a high potential, I would say, in this instrument. Um, which might not been the case in former years because people were more like, oh, the organ is something which belongs to the church and so we don't want to, you know, uh, get in touch with it. And I just try to get the organ out of this corner, even though, of course, it's, it's, it's connected, especially, um, I mean, the literature, the repertoire of the organ, of course, is connected to the church. But the most important thing and many people don't know this, is that the organ was originally invented by um, the Egyptians and, and later uh, by, by the Greek. So um, it's far before Christ was even born when the organ was or played a huge part in their lives um, back, I think, 3000 before Christ even. So the organ is a real old instrument. And first of all, has nothing to do with Christianity or churches, even though, of course, um, it's highly influenced by them. And, and I also do play, of course, lots of chorals or something which is related to churches. But I would say just do the one thing, but also try to keep up with um, new things, um, for example, transcriptions. Uh, that's so fascinating about it predating um, Christ. I actually didn't even realize that. I probably should know that, but uh, I don't think I, or maybe I heard it, but it didn't stick uh, along the way. That, that's really fascinating. Um, I probably shouldn't admit that, but yeah, it's, it's true. Um, I'm curious in terms of uh, film music. Um, I mean, I wasn't planning on asking this, but 
do you see that there could be a shift somewhere along the lines, especially now you in LA, working with film studios to, you know, kind of incorporate the organ into film scores? The Orion is already incorporated, I would say. I mean, think of Pirates of the Caribbean, for example. Davy Jones, what does he play? He plays the organ. <laughs> so therefore, the organ played a major part also in other uh, pieces. Um, but this is something which was also visual, you know, in, in, in this film. Never mind. I think Hollywood is, is really aware of this instrument organ. And um, I think it's more that we have to communicate um, that this kind of instrument or this special instrument is in there. And for example, back in those years, um, I would say in the 19th century, it was a common thing to play organ transcriptions because especially poor people couldn't afford a concert ticket for orchestras. So they went to churches or even city halls. And um, yeah, an organist played all the latest music back then uh, for poor people. Um, so the organ was also back in those days an instrument for everyone in order to access or get the access to the latest music. And I tried to bring the organ back to the mainstream and, and also back into our minds, I would say, because it's just, I guess, a lost instrument. It's not, well, really in the focus, I would say. And it's interesting now that you say it, I actually, I forgot, I guess way back in that, it was it the twenties or the thirties, forties with the silent films, didn't they have organ accompanying it? Is that what you were, is that what you're referencing? Um, well, not only, but yes, of course. Uh, back when the film was invented, of course, they had problems um, with the sound, so they couldn't do it in both ways. Therefore, they needed either a, a piano, of course, or an organ. And all these theater organs, I mean, San Francisco, L.A., um, plenty of cities have these old historic uh, theater organs, uh, which are still played, which is just wonderful, especially for Halloween, of course. You can play yeah. lots of silent movies and, and accompanying them. So the organ was there as well. But in former times, even before the film was invented, the organ was also a low-key instrument to give um, yeah, access to the latest music, also to people who might not be, uh, couldn't afford those concert tickets back, there, back in those yeah. times. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. No, it definitely has a, a, a thread throughout Hollywood, now that I think about it, because <laughs> when I asked my initial question, I'm thinking kind of current day films. I guess that's where my head was at. But yes, when you think back, yes, you're right. It had a huge impact and influence in, in films um, specifically. Uh, changing gears, I, I saw that you have a great following on social and a really great audience. It seems like everyone loves what you post. There, you, you get a lot of engagement. Uh, tell me what your, your secret is to, to building your community um, around you know, what, what you do, who you are, because you're definitely, I mean, you're out there front and center with the organ content, shall we say, on, on social. And, and clearly there's a lot of people that just seem to really resonate with that. That's true. I mean, it all started when I was in high school. And um, I started back then with a Facebook page. Back then, Ooh. Instagram wasn't invented. <laughs> so it was in, forma, in the former decade. And, you know, I, I really started to post regularly back then because I'm traveling a lot. And so I, I thought I should do a kind of travel diary there. And it developed. So I'm, I'm posting currently, like, I would say every third day. 
and and just let people know what I'm currently doing. Mm, and they love it. And in the end, I extended it, of course, also on Instagram. But I would say Facebook is even more important to me since the audience, especially in the classic world, is tend to be a bit older. And, um, you know, the engagement also on Facebook is on the one hand side quite hard since the algorithms on Facebook aren't the best, as we all know. But on the other side, um, people really do follow you uh, for 100%. And especially with my travel diaries, uh, people just like really literally to follow me um, on tours, for example, to Australia or something. And therefore, I find a Facebook is really an accessible way for people to, yeah, get in touch with me. And um, I would say it all really developed. You know, there was no plan behind it or, or no strategy at all. It was just creating content and, um, yeah, and, and posting what I'm currently doing in my career. Well, however it is, I mean, it's really fascinating and it's in interesting how there just have been, at least with Instagram, I haven't checked out the Facebook um, page, but um, with the Instagram community, it seems like people are, are just very passionate. Like, I, I guess I was kind of surprised. I mean, it's amazing for you and, and your career and the instrument of the organ, but, um, it, you know, it is such a niche um, a topic, even in classical music, even in kind of art music at large, it is still very niche. Um, and to see that enthusiasm was awesome. I mean, I think it's, it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is. It is. And you're right. I mean, it's a niche, of course. And, you know, we are dealing like harpists or, or I don't know, any other instruments, you know. We're probably not in the center of attention, especially in the classic world. But never mind. I think these social media platforms can give not only me, but also other organists, other musicians, uh, the opportunity to reach out to new people. Uh, present our our skills, of course, new transcriptions. I mean, the good thing about um, social media is also that you can give them a glimpse, you know, like 30 seconds of my latest transcription. I've done a waltz on the Nokia theme. I mean, this mm. was just, <laughs> and this is perfectly for Instagram, you know, doing a reel there and, and people love it and see that the organ cannot only play hymns and anthems, but also uh, fun pieces like waltz, for example. So you can combine combine all these different types of music mm, and and present them there, which is just perfectly, I would say. What about TikTok? I, I didn't look if you have that. Are you building a following there? I I didn't honestly. I'm I'm still not on TikTok. Um, many people said, well, this is this is a mistake, Lucas. You should really <laughs> go on TikTok. This is the future. I'm honestly more on Facebook and Instagram, especially Facebook, because what I also wanted to do is to bring these people to concerts. So I want to get the virtual world back into the real world. I mean, that means that people are getting um, inspired by my posts and then say, well, I will buy a concert ticket and, and I don't know, go to a concert in Germany to see Lucas. And so therefore, I think um, I'm using social media more in this way than just posting videos uh, for, for, you know, pleasure. And um, it's more that I also want to connect with people and I also want to learn them, uh, you know, like person to person, for example, to 
know them better. Um, so it's it's a kind of um, I try not only to focus on the virtual world, but also to bring them back to, well, not back, but bring them back to concerts. I would say in the real yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that's the challenge right now. Everyone, especially post pandemic. Um, the audiences have dipped um, across at least the U.S. I, I can't speak for Europe, but I know the U.S. It's it's yeah, really it's dipped. the same and thing here. Is mm -hmm. it? Yeah. One last question: What does success mean to you? Success is something which is not really measurable, um, but to me, honestly, it means that I can do whatever I love to do. That I am, I have the freedom, of course, to live my life and to do what I love the most. And this is playing the organ, giving concerts, traveling. So this is what is success to me. And, and especially when I can inspire um, young people, um, yeah, pupils, students in schools. Um, I, I, I love that. And I'm really so thankful to have this opportunity to reach out also in master classes. And this is the kind of um, that I know I'm successful on the one hand side, but I can also give it back to society. And on the other side, really live my life at its best. And I just love it. So um, all these components, I would say, uh, are all together uh, for success. Yeah, let's say this is success. Thank you for listening to this episode of Classical Post. If you loved it, give us a five-star review as it helps us reach more people. Also, remember to hit that follow button in your podcast app to get notified of new episodes. Thank you.